Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want. Hi everyone, welcome at Wave Act. Today with Joshua Shigala, who is the co-founder of The Standard, Bar9 and Voltor.com. He's also advice of Spotshot and has been around in 2010 when even Satoshi Nakamoto, the founder or whoever he, she or that organization was, was still around. And today we will talk about CBDCs, Central Bank Digital Currencies. And yeah, I'm really pleased to have you here. Thanks, Joshua, for taking the time out of your busy day and starting. Yeah. My pleasure, Kevin. It's really nice to be here. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. Thanks again. And I would like to give you already the ball and let us a little bit know about your projects, what you're working on, what you're passionate about and how does your day look like? Yeah. Well, um, you know, like like you said, I, I, I got into Bitcoin very early and um, I've been obsessed by it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of the years trying to fix the transparency problem in in Bitcoin exchanges. And uh, one of the first projects of mine was after the Mt. Gox collapse was to build a transparency protocol that we called the Glass Books protocol. And um, and then no exchanges wanted to use it. So we started building our own exchange in 2014 called Voltoro. Um, that's Vault as in a gold vault, V-A-U-L-T, and then Oro, which is Spanish for gold, dot um, com. And and uh, that we put this transparency protocol in there and you know it was around about 2020 around about 2020 when i just started noticing that a lot of people were invoicing us in in ethereum uh sorry in in stable coins over over ethereum and stuff like that so then i started to look into why and um you know i, I kind of fell in love with the idea of stable coins weirdly enough uh, i i used to hate them i think there's ridiculous bitcoin all the way but I realized that the normal people, um, if we want to get crypto adoption and move away from central banking, um, it's kind of the Trojan horse that we need. We need uh, digital currencies that can come out and be usable by people. You know, people know how much a, a bottle of water costs in their local currency. They don't know how much it costs in Bitcoin or Ethereum. So, um, but uh, stable coins are, there's many different types uh, we saw the collapse of Luna, and uh, I also saw that coming and, and gave a big talk about it at LeBigConf, which was also recorded. And uh, it's on the web somewhere uh, where I said I, we warned about um, about Luna. And, it, well, you know, we mentioned Luna, but it was specifically algorithmic stable coins that they will fail. And it wasn't because I, I was some sort of visionary. It was more because I've seen them come and go over the years. Um, we saw Dan Larimer's BitShares, uh, which was an algorithmic stablecoin, just, just get destroyed. We saw a bunch of different stablecoins that uh, tried to do it algorithmically. So my passion really is now to build uh, asset-backed stablecoins that are decentralized. And that's really what I'm focused on with the standard.io. And um, it's it's getting really exciting now because we've um you know we've built the smart contracts with we're almost finished building them anyway and uh then onto the testing phase 
and we're going to be launching on the ZK EVM on Polygon, which is really exciting. Um, so it would be one of the first projects to launch on that layer two uh, solution from Polygon. And yeah, there's just so much happening. And, and the stable coins are really exciting because we're not only doing USD, um, uh, people can collateralize smart contracts with Bitcoin, Ethereum um, and uh, tokenized gold, but then uh, issue themselves um, uh, S Euro, S USD, S Indian Rupee, S, you know, a whole bunch of like any pretty much we want to go for every major fiat currency peg and then we'll be doing some stocks and shares later on as well and um you know we're we're starting to focus a lot on the game side of things as well um which is really exciting in the space i think gaming is really what's going to be the next nft sort of style explosion in the crypto space um so uh, yeah, so we're focusing a lot on uh, on gaming, so people will be able to lock up in-game items and stuff like that into these smart contracts later on if they're if um, they're the right standard, and uh, use that as collateral to borrow against at zero percent interest um, with these stablecoins. So there's there's so much happening, and um, and it's just super exciting. I'm just I'm just really loving this space. It's it's really fun uh, coming from having a centralized exchange for many years to building a decentralized protocol is, is really fun. Uh, I, I also thank you for that. I have now a lot of questions uh, on the top of my head. I will <laughs> try to keep it short. Um, one major question I think that many projects now battle around with is regulation, right? Since that you have had your or still have it, I, I'm not, not quite sure. Uh, your own centralized exchange you are now issuing stable coins what were the challenges uh, associated with that and how does it differ as a differ from like five to ten years ago like yeah yeah what do you think um, about it well you know the standard is totally separate from the centralized exchange it's a it's a different project um it's a different team uh it, it started off with picking some of the best people that we have um, on, on in Voltoro and bringing them across to help build it out. But it's decentralized a lot more now. So um, it's it's one of the, you know, regulations are an interesting one. If there's a centralized stablecoin where you have to lock up assets, um, then you need human regulations um, to deal with the bank account that you have, the transparency that you have, and uh, to show that you do have all the money that you say you've credited into the into the stablecoin space. Um, I'm, uh, you know, we're we're building this bunch of smart contracts um, that allow uh, people to lock up assets and mint themselves a token that just happens to peg um, to some different assets. So there's no real. Um, crossover there it's purely virtual and uh and there's no banking or anything like that so where uh, you know why why i think some regulations are probably a good thing in terms of trying to interface to the banks i'm of the old school ilk of maths is the best regulator um you know sam bankman freed was a really good example of this there was already regulation like crazy um, that he had to oblige by. Did he? No, he just went around it and lied. 
So if there's a scammer out there, they're going to scam. And it doesn't matter how many regulations you stick in their face, they're going to do it. So um, I'm a big fan of programmatic regulation where the regulation is programmed into the smart contracts. If this, then that, otherwise that. Um, so this is the, the only way you can have true transparency up front for the user that understands, aha, this is what I'm getting myself into. These are the rule sets and they're programmatically enforced. So there's nothing that any human can do to waiver this. And that's, uh, I think, really important for the future. Um, I, I'm on your side on this. Um, what, what do I then think as a consequence? When code is law, right? How do you deal with bugs or security issues, hacks, things like that? Because there are two hard yeah. lines as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where you have to test, 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 test some more. Uh, you know, people talk about trustlessness in Bitcoin. That Bitcoin is this trustless thing or Ethereum, but it's not. You have to trust the wallet. You have to trust the smart contracts. You have to trust a whole lot of stuff, even if you know how to code. Um, you're the best coder in the world, you still need to trust that you've written that well. The the thing that gets around, like, there are, you know, a lot of these smart contracts have been around long enough that we've seen what's been battle tested and what hasn't. And you can get these sort of primitives um, and, and utilize them. Of course, if you rewrite them, um, you want to try to follow those uh, as much as possible without, without, you know, totally ripping them off. But this is the beautiful thing about open source is that you can see some some things and see how they work, um, see if they've been battle tested for years. Uh, but there's been cases where there's been um, contracts out for years, even Bitcoin, and someone will find a bug. Um, so uh, it's one of these things that's it's very, very hard to answer. I think it's part of being an early adopter in crypto that you could lose everything. Um, I, you know, I don't want anyone to think that this space isn't uh, hasn't got that risk because there's a definite risk of that. Um, but at the same time, it's a high risk, high reward space. You know, um, if we can build something that's um, that's amazing, and and you know that that's really what you want to look out for when choosing a project to buy into uh, or support is that you want to look at their team. You want to make sure that they've been around for a while. They know what they're doing. They're not just writing a white paper and just, you know, just straight out of high school, writing some code. I mean, that that can be okay as well. You know, never say never. But it's one of those flags that you want to sort of look at and say, okay, um, you know, they, they can do it. And, and that's why, you know, I've put together a really stellar team for the standard.io. And, and um, yeah, I, it's, it, it's, a, it's, always on the back of my mind just like having a centralized exchange is security 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 is on your mind uh the same thing goes with uh with um, you know dApps. <laughs> how, how do you go about it well it's uh definitely a highly uh, philosophical uh, come on uh, it's a ethical question right um on which yeah. side are you if a hack happens uh well the code had a hole in it, right? I call this law. Here is it, right? We had this with uh, the Ethereum hack a few years yeah. ago, right? Uh, so basically, I'm, to be honest, a little bit towards regulation, good regulation, right? 
because uh, I'm a developer myself and I know no matter how much effort I put into something, how many security tools I use, how good the infrastructure is, just thinking about CK EVM, uh, there still will be some kind of bugs, some kind of issues at somewhere down the line. Just set it yourself with Bitcoin. So at that, I personally definitely think there needs to be someone at least a tiny bit accountable for something, right? Because you're profiting from it. So you also need to be somewhat accountable for the risk that goes along with it. But that's just my... Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But how are you going to regulate? You can you can definitely put accountability. But really, if it's unregulatable, like if it's a smart contract running in, in cyberspace and it's put together by a bunch of randos that you don't know... Um, how are you going to regulate that? You know, it, it's, it's, it, you can say we want regulation, but it's very different when it's a, a literal DAP running on some chain somewhere. I think where, where really th that solution comes in for protecting, um, for protecting users is like decentralized insurance and stuff like that. Um, these are, these can be done with like prediction markets. So, uh, a prediction market could say, um, I bet, uh, like me as an insurance uh, contract could say, I bet that uh, we will um, we will never be hacked, you know, and um, and 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 I put a whole bunch of Ethereum in there, and then um, uh, and then other people that use us say, well, I'll buy some insurance to say I get that part if there's a hack. And so you can start to build mechanisms like insurances into smart contracts to allow people to get paid back for certain things. And this doesn't need to be uh, issued by the people issuing that smart contract. It could be issued by a company, uh, like a, a DAP that does specifically that task for, for DeFi or for NFTs or for whatever. Um, it would be very hard to do that for like Oh, I got hacked. You know, I want an insurance payout, but because you could hack yourself. But um, but it would be very good for. Um, hey, I'm I'm using this smart contract. Uh, they are betting that it'll never be hacked, and then it was hacked. So, um, you know, payout. Interesting point. Heard that uh, already uh, several times, and I somewhat agree with you for advanced users but thinking about people that still have a hard time remembering passwords telling them hey you need to buy some kind of insurance to protect you from that service being hacked uh, i think that's definitely something that reduces accessibility adoption and also um going back to your initial statement are uh, the devs can be anonymous which is great right in general i'm in for that but when it comes to well i develop something and i break something if i develop software for an airline right for uh, some kind of flying vehicle then and i didn't let's say take the necessary or industry standards as a measures to actually secure that code 
then it should be at least a company that has to correct that or come up with some kind of correct. Also it's just personal opinion, right? Um, you asked. Yeah, me. yeah. I mean, um, it's interesting because, you know, you, you're equating the, the old school world with the new school world. And, and while that makes sense in a lot of ways, um, people that are coming into the space, it's, it's different, right? Because it's not like the whole philosophy is have a decentralized space, right? So, well, that was the philosophy behind Bitcoin. And people can say, hey, we've got, you know, um, safeguards and everything else. The problem with a lot of regulation is that who, who creates them? Who writes them? In which country? And then you get multiple regulations all muddled up um, and you can't compl comply with that one and that one at the same time because they're negative. So then you have to choose which one. Then you um, then the, you get regulatory capture where one one that might say, "Hey, we want more regulation, more regulation, more regulation." This is what happened with the banking industry, that they regulated themselves so much, and the banking regulations are all written by the banks, by the way. So. So they've they protected them so, themselves so much from startups. That's why you didn't even hear the word fintech before, like well, maybe PayPal was the only fintech around for years. And Bitcoin was kind of the first sort of breakthrough fintech thing. So you had you had these banks that have built these moats around themselves. So no one could compete. Like no one could build a startup bank because you just try try competing with that not the amount of regulatory overhead was so much paperwork every week and that you just couldn't do it so so uh, they they'd done this to to and it's called regulatory capture it's a common common concept um and then bitcoin came along which was so out of left field that they're like looking over the fence going what what they trapped themselves in and they couldn't even you know they didn't know how to how to deal with it so it was interesting because it was a total paradigm shift in the way that money works or in the way that uh, money's even released because what what do you mean there's no one that controls this what do you mean there's no one that issues it huh what the network pays people to secure the network how, what you know so it was so crazy that that banks didn't know how to do it because they regulated themselves into this little island and they couldn't get out so i just don't want to see that happen to bitcoin while i do think exchanges need regulation um and and to deal with the banks and because there's a whole lot of infrastructure stuff going on there um i do still think that uh that a lot of regulation needs to be pulled back and we need to get back to market regulations where humans uh, and education education uh, rather uh, rather than uh, regulation because you need to teach people what no, no one knows what a good bank looks like. If I said to you, hey, what, what's, what's, how do you choose your bank? You'd be like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not meaning you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, man. Uh, Kevin, I, I'm you're fine. Uh, you're fine. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, you're like, I, I don't know. Like, how, how, do, how do I choose a bank? Like, the, the nice ad that I saw, you know, because all of the due diligence has been removed from us to determine what a good bank looks like. In the past, you would have to like look at the balance sheet, try to make sure it's good because it, it could go broke. And even now, 
it the the FDIC insurance in the in in the US is like 200k. So if you have more than that, you know you need to start spreading your money out to a whole bunch of banks. Um, it's it gets very very unruly very quickly if you have a few million bucks. And so uh, and the FDIC insurance also doesn't keep up with inflation. So in, you know in five years time 200k really isn't much at all. <laughs> Buy your carton of milk. So, um, so so what I'm saying with that is. I think education is one of these things where shows like yours um, and others are so important because it teaches people how to actually use this stuff. Um, because you can't just come in to the crypto space using password as a password um, and and expecting not to be you know have something go wrong. You know you do need to be a bit more sophisticated and. Look, the, the the new kids on the block that are coming around, they are a lot more sophisticated uh, in general, um, generally speaking. Of course, the NFT crowd came along and you've got all sorts of people <laughs> that don't have a clue um, uh, what they're doing and you're hearing hacks all the time. And it's, and it's heartbreaking because they lose their life savings. But at the same time, sometimes, uh, you know, the best lesson is to, touch the flame you know you don't know how hot that candle is until you actually have felt what a flame feels like and and then you go oh, i'm never touching that again and and you know some hopefully that lesson isn't too painful you, you know you lose a little bit but you know i i lost a lot of money in mount gox collapse back in the day um i friends have lost money and and in other ways as well right they've bought at the top of the market when the hype is like going crazy and they finally buy their first crypto and then it crashes happens to everyone so um, it's one of those things, education, I think, is more important than regulation. You said a couple of very interesting things. Uh, now, I'm with you on the regulation side that how regulation is being set up definitely needs to change, right? And adapt that and all that kind of stuff. Um, on the other hand, every time, and I think that's where we need to, or where I draw the line, and maybe that's uh, the communication gap as well. I'm with you when the protocol that these unknown devs set up doesn't make revenue for these devs by themselves in a centralized way because they own a lot of tokens in their DAO, for example, where they can vote on decisions and these kind of things. If the DAO, the decision maker on chain is actually truly decentralized, I'm with you. Otherwise, there are there is some centralized control, right? And then, mm. uh, as said, just my uh, personal opinion doesn't mean it's a good thing. That no, needs to I, be. I, I totally agree. And this is the beautiful thing about the market, right? Is that um, 2017, when the whole ICO boom happened, the market evolved very quickly. Everyone bought into everything, and then they started saying, "Hmm." No, I'm not going to buy into a project where, um, you know, these and this and that, and the founders have like 99% of the tokens. And and so the market starts to adapt and evolve. And, um, and then you start getting general best practices. So you're like, okay, the best practices are watch out for things like rug pulls. How do rug pulls happen? Rug pulls happen when there's a large bunch of VCs that have jumped in early and they're going to dump on all the retail. So, so as as this space evolves, 
people get smarter and smarter and they start to build a type of regulation in any way because if you run an ICO or some sort of token sale with really bad token economics built in uh, that are bad practices, a lot of people just won't go there. And we've seen huge projects like the, the internet computer project that launched launched with this massive uh, you know, hype train and, and massive market cap. What was it? It was a whole bunch of VCs and um and people just had enough and so you saw it tank really quickly i mean it's still fairly high in the market cap but it's um it was interesting watching people's opinions change about certain aspects of token sales and uh, i i think that's the market is the best regulator for that stuff um and you know maybe there's maybe there's a really good middle ground where we can have because the gold industry for instance in the uk is voluntarily regulated it's regulated by a private organization uh, called the Boolean Market Association, and they build out best practices. And, um, and if you follow those best practices, you get to have their stamp on your page. So, so these sorts of things are a really good idea, especially in a global environment where you don't want to deal with country by country having all different types of regulations. Uh, you, you could have a system that starts to build out really good a really good system for certain uh, projects and say, if a project follows our, our guidelines, we'll give it the stamp of approval and, um, and you know, go, go, go with it like that. Or, you know, maybe there's a different scales and different types of uh, stamps that you could have. But I think that's really where the industry needs to go because you're right, we do need rule sets. We need to warn people that are getting fresh into this space. Uh, that are that are looking at it with with big eyes going wow look at all this crazy money that's floating around and and sort of warn them hey you know there's a lot of people that can take advantage of you if you don't know what you're doing look out for maybe these stamps and and check it on their website that, that they're following those re those voluntary regulations yeah absolutely um i, I think we are completely aligned here um as a regulation can also just mean education Right, uh, looking at centralized uh, yeah. exchanges. Hey, are you sure this is your wallet, or uh, you can't take it back? And these kind of things, just disclaimers, warnings, already helping yeah. you. Or hey, a mini tutorial. Do you understand this? Uh, this, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah? these kind of things um, definitely help as well. Um, I'll, I'll give you just a quick yeah? example of terrible regulation. So running Voltoro.com, we've run it since 2015. And, um, and the regulator in the UK forced us to um, not be the custodian anymore, even though we've never had a hack. Um, we're probably one of the oldest exchanges never to have a hack, right? So we know what we're doing. We're a bloody good team. Yet uh, the regulator in the UK says, if you want our license, you have to um, use a third-party uh, custodian. And they didn't care who it was as long as it was a third-party custodian, as long as it wasn't us. So there's an example of people that don't know what the hell they're doing, um, calling it a regulation because it's just a rule, but it's a terrible rule um, because it doesn't make any sense. It, it literally made no sense uh, for us who know what we're doing. We, we've got uh, you know, we've we've had years of experience in digital security, uh, and this is, by the way, why we're 
so confident as well with the standard. We're, we're really strong in our security front. Um, that we, uh, you know, that they that they come along with this terrible regular, and this is the sorts of thing that that happens all the time, where you just get politicians going, oh, or you know, <laughs> they don't have a clue what really boots on the ground. They haven't worked in the industry, right? And uh, and so it, it can happen where people that beg for good regulation uh, end up uh, getting terrible terrible rule sets, and and usually it's 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 to protect legacy systems and uh, that that's how the banking system works they they use regulation to protect themselves that's absolutely a good one and i think it's part of a much larger problem right that people make rules in general for anything that they oftentimes are not a specialist for simple as that right and in crypto it's more obvious than in other sectors so I, i'm with you on that yeah. point and nobody wants that kind of regulation maybe thinking about or talking about these kind of regulation scenarios let's go back to cbdc's for a second because i think it's really yeah. tightly associated with that um mm. first of all <laughs> how would you for to get everyone on the same page how would you define them and what do you think about them let's keep it simple All right. So a lot of people get confused. They think the CBDC is just, they go, oh, well, it's a digital, digital dollar or digital euro. What I'm already using digital euros. I, I use my, my card all the time. I, I hardly use cash I beep, beep, beep everywhere. It's a, what's the difference? The, the difference is with the CBDC, just to outline it for your listeners. If I pay you, Kevin, my bank, says um if i pay you a hundred dollars my bank says oh, okay um at the end of the day i owe your bank 100 and and your bank maybe sent someone else that is using my bank uh 50 uh, during that day you know and so at the end of the day all of it's like a roll-up in the crypto space At the end of the day, all those transactions go to the central bank and the central bank says, ah, that bank sent 100 to that bank, but that bank sent 50 to that bank. So to settle everything, that bank only owes 50. Boom. So it's one transaction uh, and it settles everything out. Now, what happened in that in that space? In that space, the central bank knows nothing about all the transactions that happened in that day from that bank. All they know is that bank owes that bank that much money and that's it, done, settled, on to the next day. Now, every bank um, has a fiduciary duty to protect the privacy of you as a user from the government, from anybody, actually. Now, a government can see your records by going to the courts, getting a subpoena, go to the bank, And having due process to figure out, hey, you're a criminal. I'm going to look through your banking stuff and see you're not doing criminal stuff, right? Or the the IRS or the the you know different tax authorities um, can do that. But there's due, there's steps that they need to go through. When a CBDC happens, you're basically removing all those banks, and every microtransaction is going to the central bank. Uh, uh, 
identify to you and and building a, a database of what you're spending money on, where you're spending money, whatever, right? So you think, okay, I got it. Now, with the banking system, all those databases are spread around. So not one authority knows exactly, your bank knows what you do, your bank does, but not a single central uh, authority figure, which has the, the force power to, to force anything upon anyone. Now, we just lived through uh, pretty uh, hardcore three years, right? Where there was lockdowns and all sorts of stuff. Now, whatever you think of it, in the future, um, uh, they, they had some weird, talk about weird regulations, right? Weird regulations where they just shut shops, but you could buy milk and bread, but not the thing over there. And they'd like cordon off like the little doll section for kids because that you can't buy that. We're in a pandemic, don't you know? And, and so... In the future, they wouldn't, with the CBDC, you could just say, well, uh, you wandered out of your 10 kilometer radius. Uh, we're not going to allow you to spend your money there. So your money just doesn't work. Um, you could also say, hey, um, you've spent, uh, you know, our, uh, global warming is a problem. Um, you've already spent three liters of, oil, uh, of gas this, this month. Um, you're not allowed to buy any more. Doesn't work. Um, ah, obesity is a problem. Uh, you've already had your ration of sugar this month. There's a war going on. We can't, you know, whatever they want, they can fully control your your money and your spending and your life. Now, you're very, very close from that scenario. You can also then say, um, uh, and actually this is already happening in some countries um, in some of the new test cases where they have a shelf life on your savings. Oh, the economy is doing really badly. We need people to have velocity in their money. We need people to spend and move their money um, to stimulate the economy. If you don't spend your savings in the next 30 days, or at least 5% of it, um, it will just stop being there. We will just remove it. And this is literally happening where your $5 becomes zero um, or your 10 buck notes or whatever it is. So we're talking hardcore tyrannical centralized control over your money now what is money right money at its core is your work and time and your toil your hands building or doing or service or whatever it is that you do and 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 you take that you you put that service into a thing that you're saving it's a proof of work <laughs> at the end of the day uh, yeah some people inherit and you can get you know a bit technical on that but at the end of the day it's it's proof of work now you've spent your life and you've paid taxes and done everything and now you're giving the this a, a centralized state so much control over those savings it's a very 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 dangerous place that we're going and not enough people are talking about it it needs to be discussed around the dinner table a lot of these governments are like oh by the way we're bringing out cbdc's by 2023 or 2025 or whatever it is and people are like, oh, okay. They just think it's like a banking upgrade. And and what do they say? They say, oh, we're going to have real-time settlement for everybody. And you think, oh, great. Well, why do I care? I mean, I've got I've got Venmo for that if I want. You know, I, if I want to pay your bank, yeah, it takes 24 hours. Who cares? I, and if I go to the shop and swipe my credit card, what do I care if he sees it the next day or not? I get my goods. He knows it's settled. It's done. And by the way, 
crypto has real-time well pretty much settlement as well so we've already got instant settlement if we want it uh, what do we lose we lose a lot a lot of freedom um potentially yeah you could at the beginning they're not going to do anything but it's one step away from attaching that cbdc to a social credit score just like china to really then ratchet up control so so it's really really important that people discuss these concepts discuss what this technology can do and be aware of it and uh, you know i was i was telling people in 2010 bitcoin is not a scam you know don't you know it, it's this it's that it's amazing you know i was telling people and no one would listen and i just hope that now they listen to say uh when i when i'm now warning against the technology and uh and that is that is these cbdc's they, they're coming anyway right but we do have an exit door and the exit door is cryptocurrency okay i have two questions now and first of all don't get me wrong 100 not 99 100 on your side here okay first of all do you think that crypto because if we have such a system in place there would be a lot of let's say incentives for governments to regulate to actually regulate down crypto or even prohibit it to actually prevent you from using it For example, you are only allowed to withdraw a thousand dollars a month from crypto to your bank account because it needs to be checked or these kind of things. What's your viewpoint on that? They will. Absolutely. They will. Okay. Um, they'll come after crypto like anything. But Bitcoin's, Bitcoin was built um, with the idea of, uh, you know, not giving a shit. Like it, it's that that's why it's the honey badger of money, right? <laughs> That was the nickname because it doesn't care. It it the thing is that if you have one foot in the real world in terms of that money side of things and one foot in crypto, first of all, you feel the volatility a lot more. It, it's you know, there's a lot more sort of happening. If you have both feet in crypto, meaning you get paid in crypto, you save in crypto, you um you bank in crypto, you get yield in crypto, you do everything in crypto. And, and you, um, I don't know, like, use a, a, even you can get a debit card, you know, that that maybe, yeah, maybe it wouldn't work in your country if that sort of regulation comes in. But you can, you know, things that work, like, there, there's so many workarounds that are happening. Um, that I think it's, it's, it's tricky. But I don't want to live in a world where I'm, you know, some sort of person just doing something that's not legal in my country. I'm always going to do something that, that's legal, you know, because I don't want to end, in, end up in prison and, and neither should anybody else. But, um, but I think there's something about what's interesting is yield, right? What DeFi has showed the world is that you remove a whole bunch of inefficiencies from uh, the the legacy financial system by allowing people to put their money directly into automated market makers and allow um, the trading fees to collect now 
this that is actually how your bank gives you your yield except a bank where your money lies gives their money to about gives your money to about 10 different middlemen before the market maker gets hold of it and starts speculating with it or market making with it um so there's no way the legacy system can compete so with DeFi, uh, once it gets more and more established there is only one way for legacy liquidity to go and that's into crypto so this money is so powerful i think they will uh work with regulators to to allow it to go there because it's just a much more efficient way of dealing with money in general um so i i i think that's really where where the the rubber meets the road is that liquidity always goes towards strong yields and um and so if there's a government that regulates the heck out of it and stops it all that liquidity won't stay in that country it'll shift to a country that doesn't have that and then do it and what's happening well there's now an exit not straight back and forth from DeFi to that country, but totally out of that country and into DeFi. So, so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic in that, um, that I, I don't think countries will be so stupid to basically ban the future of financial, uh, you know, business. They will try to choke it out for a little while until they realize it's a dumb move. Um, that that's a good point. One one thing, going back a bit, um, to the initial question. When we have these, let's say, I just lost track. Sorry for a second. Oh, good. When when we have these CBDCs, right? Um, there's probably a blockchain behind it, right? So that's that's the main issue with all of that, right? You have that new ecosystem, that has these let's say uh, microtransactions, which is great, right? But also a lot of uh, control that can be executed and forced on it. And the main difference, uh, what you stated before is that these banks uh, usually don't share that information with others, right? There are some steps before that, before a government, a centralized authority gains access to all of the information. So, if that's just an assumption, right? Um, just play as so doing game theory here. If the actual bad outcomes of CBDCs would be an actual goal of governments and banks, don't you think they would just regulate banks in a way that they need to share this information and are able to enforce that onto banks in a unified manner? It's more complicated, less efficient, 100% with you. But wouldn't that be, let's say, maybe also less friction with the public market because it's an existing system. They don't need to change anything. Um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of these ideas of privacy go all the way back to Magna Carta. 
like they're very well established structures of privacy it's very i think it's way more difficult to change all of the laws and all of the things based around that rather than say hey we've got a new technology by this is just an upgrade uh and everyone gets real-time um, settlement and by the way we can uh you know basically have control over everybody and, and when you just to quickly go back to what you were saying with the blockchain yeah maybe it's a blockchain but i i actually think it's probably just going to be three separate servers on uh, and they're just taking turns hashing uh, and so it, it's not you know i the speed of true blockchains are, are too slow um you can do the same idea of you know putting the hash of the last block in the new one just to you know th that's the reason why why uh, governments haven't centralized um a, a money yet is because there is um just too big of a chance of getting hacked and all of a sudden the entire country is bankrupt <laughs> because the money's gone you know like what uh, what just happened right um so uh, that's why you cannot have a you know a, a sql database um uh, that's got everybody's accounts on them because it, if it gets hacked then we're screwed so so that's why it's it's taken a while to to do this and they you know this really satoshi's invention was to have this distributed ledger to make it immutable and that's not just a word that's thrown around it it really means that that and that's what really gives the power to the cbdc's that immutability and knowing that um a, a foreign adversary can't just hack in and 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 bankrupt the nation um yeah i, I don't know where i was going with that or if it answered your question but uh, absolutely thanks for that um but wouldn't that imply also that we would get rid of cash which is always a big big discussion point all the time yeah i mean there's nothing that governments want more than to get rid of cash because cash is literally like monero it, it's it, it's totally anonymous yeah it's got some serial numbers but it's it's there's no way that anybody knows what anybody's spending and what taxes are being dodged so the more people use cards the more the government's happy because they can then um they can see in real time what's happening to their economy they can see in real time where there's black holes um where you know people aren't consuming there's lots of reasons why governments would want a more digital oversight uh into their economy um because the uh the cash economy is pretty harsh but the problem is that a vast amount of the like more than what people realize uh is part of the black economy which is a, a, a you know not a it's it's not a nice name for it because actually it's normal people like the the uber drivers uh, not that uber uber's a different thing because you tip in the app but uh you know the the deliveroo guy the the student that comes panting up your your doorstep giving you food for a buck um you know they really live on the tips and this is all all black money that that actually stimulates the economy um yes it doesn't get taxed but it stimulates the economy to a point where um it actually helps the the economic thing so that you don't want to crush all that um 
uh, all the the tip economy is, is so massive um it's really a, a quite a good chunk of the economy and it's um and it's important it's an important part of the economy and so uh, we'll see what happens when when country i mean there's countries already that just basically uh, they're already starting to get rid of atms australia is already starting to get rid of atms um there's a lot less here now than there was a few years ago um some towns don't have any anymore so um you know, it's already a slow push towards that. And uh, and some countries you see homeless people with a little QR code, um, you know, like software okay. that you can transfer money um, like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I think it's unfortunate. I think it's uh, I think cash is a really important part of freedom in general. And again, cryptocurrency is a digital cash. You know, it's a it's a type of digital cash. So it's it's an important it will be an important part of the economy. Absolutely. Love it. Hey, uh, thanks, Joshua, for this. Uh, really was a pleasure discussing with you and listening to your insights. And I, I would say, do you maybe have to wrap this all up? Three things that you want people to remember from this cool session. <laughs> well, I, you know, I would say, you know, talk to people, talk to your friends, talk to your family about uh, what it means, these CBDCs, um, you know, send them this, this podcast, send them this discussion and, and, and talk about it. Um, don't just let, um, the world give you, uh, take away, take away your, your freedoms, because, uh, if you're, if you have children or you're looking to have children, um, they won't have the same sort of uh, freedoms as you had uh, growing up. And that's a sad thing. You know, we should try to, you know, freedom is something that can be taken away very, very quickly. And it's something that um, our, our forefathers, our grandparents fought and died for, uh, for our freedoms. They, they literally did. And so um, it's important to not just let a technological upgrade steal that away. Um, so take it seriously. And that's, that's one takeaway. Uh, the second one is um you know um we'd love if you if you've got talents or if, if you don't have to if you just love uh technology and and uh you know going against cbdc's because this is really what stable coins do especially decentralized stable coins only only fully over collateralized decentralized stable coins like like the standard.io um come and come and join the discord and and the uh the uh the telegram if, if that's what you're into and uh, yeah, talk talk about these th things with us. Um, if you can help with graphic design or with development, um, you know, come and join the community. It's a really fun community. It's a great community. We have like a type of metaverse where uh, it's kind of like a cypherpunk cowboy Western uh, theme. It's weird. Okay. Uh, it's just sort of taken on a life of its own. But it, it's just basically people making avatars for each other um, uh, in that sort of theme, which is fun. And um, yeah, uh, come and check it out. It's a, it's a cool community. Awesome. Hey, really thanks, mate. Um, please be so kind and send these links to me. I will put it into the video description. And yeah, thanks as well awesome. for everyone watching. Thanks, mate. Thanks, everyone. Smash the likes. Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want.